Welcome to the Rock Church Audio Podcast. We are so glad that you joined us today. Rock Church is located on Harrison Avenue between Mulford and Perryville Roads in Rockford, Illinois. Now let's join Pastor Jared with today's message. I want to uh, begin this morning by um, just taking a moment to maybe reinforce some biblical truths that uh, um, I am uh, praying will be at work in us. Um, you know, I just uh, want to have a little bit of a shepherding moment before we turn directly to uh, the Word of God and the message that we'll be receiving together today. And as I prepare to share just a couple of thoughts with you, would you turn with me to James chapter 5? That will serve as our text. We'll be in verses 16 through 18. You keep your finger there, and uh, we'll talk about uh, prayer in, in just a moment. But... Um, it just kind of struck me as uh, I was pulling this message together that, uh, you know, uh, the year 2020, wow, I think that's probably the word that uh, sizes it up, right? Um, I've told many of you who ask me, you know, how are you doing or how are things going? I said, well, every day is an adventure, you know, and uh, that truly kind of has summed up the year. And, uh, you know, how do we live? How are we going to finish this year strong, I guess, is really kind of where my heart is right now and, and, and just something I want us to consider and to contemplate. Um, a shepherding moment here as I share a couple of things with you. And uh, this is not uh, just in response to the election of uh, this last week, but really in response to uh, the full year that we have all endured how do we live and how are we going to finish this year strong? And I want to just remind you of a couple of things. Uh, I want to remind you first and foremost that in John chapter 18, Jesus said that his kingdom was not of this world. Okay, church, I want us to be reminded of that today. That um, we belong to a kingdom that is not of this world and Christ is our king. And uh, that statement reminds us that uh, the kingdom is to be powerfully at work within the world, no matter the circumstances that are going on in the world. And um, it also reminds us that uh, as kingdom people, we don't receive our marching orders from the present rulers of the world. And um, over history and time, um, political and governmental leaders from around the world have tried to control the kingdom work when the reality is they can't. And uh, we have an assignment, you know, regardless of local, state, and national things, we are the church. I want you to just kind of, I want you to just kind of say that back to yourself. We are the church. We are the church of Jesus Christ. We belong to a kingdom that is not of this world, and because of that, we must be engaged and remain focused on eternal things. Okay? We have, um, uh, we have uh, forces that want to distract us. Uh, things that want to take our, our eye off the ball, if you want to use a sports analogy. And uh, Jesus reminds us that while we are here on this earth, we are here to do the work of the kingdom, and we must remain focused on eternal matters. So because of that, let me ask all of this to, uh, to share in this response. Let's work together to control our impulses, our reactions, our tongues, and to control what we fill our hearts and our minds with. Okay? Um, there's a lot of voices. And... Um, the proverb that Pastor Marty opened the service with is, is, is one that uh, I put in to this portion of my notes also. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your hearts, for it is the wellspring of life. Guard your hearts, church. And then I'll add the words of Solomon, above all else. In other words, there's a diligence there, isn't there? There's an intentionality there. 
and uh, there's, there's a commitment to a work. And here's the reason. Diversions and distractions are tactics that are meant to fill our lives with the cares of this world. When we take our eyes off eternity and we begin to look at worldly circumstances, we become distracted and diverted. In that phrase, the cares of this world come out of Mark 4 when Jesus was giving a teaching to his disciples about the, the seed of the word being planted into the lives of those who hear it. Okay? And there's a direct purpose that the cares of the world work to achieve, and it's this it's to choke out the word and to cause it to become unfruitful, Jesus said. So we have to, above all else, guard our hearts. Because if our focus becomes distracted or diverted, it is going to produce a lack in our lives. And then finally, and then we'll pray, let me just call us to this. Let your light shine. Make sure that your character sets you apart. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, at the, uh, as a part of the Sermon on the Mount, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You see, as kingdom people with an eternal focus, we are to be a force for good that challenges and transforms society because of the power of the one who is at work in us. So I just say, you know what? We've got to uh, remain focused on the right things. I would say to us as a congregation, let's finish strong. And uh, let's put our hand to the work that Christ has called us to do. Because nothing can stop that. It's kingdom. So let's pray. We'll pray for the word that we are about to receive. And uh, then we'll move on to the sermon portion of the service. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the time that we have enjoyed in your presence. Thank you, Lord, for your work in us. Thank you that we have a security and a confidence, Lord, that is not rooted in the circumstances of this life, but rather we recognize, Lord God, that you have redeemed us and set us apart. And Father, I pray that we would be consumed by you. I pray, Lord God, that we would be a people of light and not darkness, eternity and not temporary, and I pray, Lord God, that you would help us to guard our hearts and minds, that we would not become distracted or diverted in any way. And Lord, I pray that as we look at the words of James today, we open our hearts to receive your truth. We pray for ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. We invite you to come and to minister and to transform us and to strengthen us. And we thank you, Lord God, that your word is alive and active. And we pray, Lord God, for its work to be done in us. We receive and welcome it. And we thank you for it now. In Jesus' name, amen. James chapter 5, verses 16 through 18 let me read that uh, for you, and I believe that uh, you will find uh, many of these words to be familiar, but verse 16 begins by saying, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And here's where our focus will be for our remaining time. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. 
So as we come out of prayer, we're going to look at the topic of prayer today from a passage that is not only familiar, but also a passage that is designed to provide focus and is both faith-building and inspirational. And I just have to say that sometimes familiarity just kind of dictates what we see when we read a scripture again. Okay, the, 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 the effective and the fervent prayers of the righteous avail much is probably not a, a new thought to you, um, but uh, it's, it's something that you've read and you've studied, you've maybe been in a Bible study that has unpacked it, and it's familiar. But sometimes familiar, familiarity causes us to not see other things that are within a particular text, and that is kind of the process that has been underway in me over the last few days as I've looked at this Scripture again. And, and, and the Lord has just kind of been revealing some new things to me that, that build upon the things that are familiar. And I trust He's going to do the same for you this morning as we discuss it together. I know there was a, a time in my life where I had to change the way I viewed this because the, the effective and fervent prayers of the righteous for me became something that uh, I obviously believed in faith and recognized as a work of the Lord in my life, but it um, had a little bit of a performance kind of uh, interpretation. Okay? Effective prayer. Well, well, what is that and how do I do it? Are appropriate questions to ask yourself. And on the surface, as we begin to unpack that and to learn what that is and apply it to our lives, we can initially become somewhat performance-oriented in our prayers and saying, if I do the right thing, then I'm going to have effective prayers, but if I do the wrong thing, then I'm not. And those are murky waters because you know, there are good things and bad things in relationship to prayer, but they're not the only thing. So I think what, what the Lord is wanting to do today is He's wanting to kind of raise our level of understanding. He's wanting us to dig a little bit deeper. He's wanting us to add a, a couple of new things to the things that we know about this text. And I'll just say that it can be summed up perhaps by this. Don't view this portion of James as something that is all about uh, performance or even personality. Some of us have you know, a little bit more exuberant personality. Some of us are a little bit more um, reserved. James is not talking about that as he talks about effective prayer. But rather, let's add to our understanding about this verse the fact that James is talking to us about proximity to God's presence and obedience to His will. So, so begin to cast down those things that say you need to be performance-oriented and begin to embrace a truth that would say that prayer is all about proximity to God's presence and obedience to His will. Because that very much begins to give us the big picture of what James is talking about. So in that regards, I really feel like James is bringing to the church something that's providing Focus. Focus. And I want to ask us all this question just as a way to evaluate where we are. You know, what, what has been the focus of your prayers? What has been uh, kind of the, 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 the center of your prayers? Not your past prayers, not the, the prayers you know, in the future, but right now where you are. What has been at the center of what has been the focus of your prayers? Because here's a trap that we can fall into. If our prayers become all about current events, if they become all about the here and now, if they become all about the pressing urgencies of the day, there is an imbalance that comes into our walk. And then those things are not bad things, but I just want to present to you the fact that they should not be the only thing. We do need to pray about the things that are going on today, but they shouldn't be the only thing that we are praying for because here is a tendency that happens when our prayers become all about 
the urgencies of the day, we become the center of our prayers. I'm experiencing this. My life is being affected in this way. The people around me are having this uh, thing going on within their lives. And all of a sudden, as we pray, it becomes very much centered around us. Our prayers become consumed with the tyranny of the urgent. You know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease is the old adage. And if our, if our prayers become like that, things are unraveling at work. Well, that can become a tyr- an urgent thing that becomes tyrannical in our life in the sense that it's controlling our focus and what we're praying for exclusively. And then we can get stuck in a cycle if we become the center of our prayers. That when my prayers are answered, I am up. When my prayers go unanswered or I'm in a time of waiting, I am down and I become frustrated. And it can become a cycle that we, that we, uh, we, we unintentionally fall into. And it's because of the, what has been at the center or the core of our prayers. And then here's another way that this can become a negative in our lives. We begin to exalt methodology. If our focus, our prayers are just focused on the now, and we become the center, then our prayers become focused on methodology because we begin to believe that every result is born from the right method. If I do the right thing, the right outcome will happen. If something worked for somebody else, we want to know what it was so that we can do it and experience the same outcome. And then as this becomes more and more of an extreme, we begin to chase people, we begin to chase new teachings, and prayer is not about presence and proximity, but it becomes about something else. So where have your prayers been focused and what has been at the center of our prayers because very much what James is telling us here is that the main ingredient in effective prayer is emphatically not us or someone else's strategy the kind of prayers that that we are being called to begin with not the how but the who Not the how, but the who. Who is the source and at the center of our prayers? And verse 16 says this, The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Who is the source? Who is at the center here? It is clearly those who have been made righteous, and by extension, the one who makes them righteous. Okay, I want you to just kind of pause right now and take a deep breath, okay? Because we're getting, we're getting to the good part. Um, it's always better to solve a problem than to identify one, right? You ever notice that? Because James is just saying, church, I'm, I'm reminding you what prayer is all about. The prayers of the righteous avail much. Who is to be at the center? God's people who have been made righteous by Him. Let's think about this for a minute. Um, Prayer is very much a faith-filled endeavor. Oftentimes we see things as they are and we know in the natural they cannot be transformed and faith falls into the middle of that space and says, I can't do it, but I know the one who can. And here's why James says the prayers of the righteous. Because all kinds of people pray. Prayer is not a foreign concept in the world. The prayers of the righteous is a key phrase here because... It reminds us that God took us from a place of being lost 
and He redeemed us, and He transformed us, and He gave us new life. And in doing so, He accomplished in us something that we could not achieve in and of ourselves. And when we're reminded that He did that work in my life, we're reminded that He can do that work through my life. The prayers of the righteous. You may say, I'm not... I don't feel righteous. Well, righteousness is not based upon feeling, but we are made righteous in Christ, Romans 3.22 says. Not our work, but the work that Christ has done on the cross. When we receive Him by faith, we are made right in His eyes. So what does this mean for our intercessions? Does it mean that when I'm really on, my prayers are effective? You know, in our journey with the Lord, we have those mountaintops and we have those valleys, you know. And if you're on the mountaintop, are your prayers more effective? When you're in the valley, are they less effective? No. Because you are still righteous in His eyes, no matter where you're at in your journey. But here is what I believe James is saying to us in part. For the believer, the prayers of a righteous man can accomplish much means that prayer is effective. Not that certain prayers are effective, but rather because we are who we are in His sight because of what the blood has purchased for us. When we pray, those prayers are effective. This is why James says earlier in the chapter, are any of you suffering? Pray. Are any of you sick? Pray. We are called to pray because the prayers of the righteous are effective and through the power of God at work in us, they can accomplish things that we cannot do on our own. So here's how we need to view it. Prayer is the effective response for every circumstance the Christian faces. Let me say that again. Prayer is the effective response to every circumstance the Christian faces. That should raise our level of expectation. It should increase our confidence in God. It should remind us of the fact that the Lord hears and responds to the petitions of the righteous. And I, and I want you to, to just kind of understand to a little bit greater degree why you can have expectation why, while you pray. And it, and it comes from this word, accomplish. Or avail, maybe, in your translation. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish or avail much. We don't need to manipulate God and we don't need to pursue and kind of try to stir things up and produce things in and of ourselves, but rather we are told that there is a, um, a work of availing and accomplishing that takes place when we intercede. And what does that word mean? It's significant. It's, um, it's the same word that we get the English word energy from or to energize okay and it's better than the battery all right you've seen the commercial you know the energizer bunny that's the that's that's the guy he, and, and he's got the big marching band drum and he's boom 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 but the battery does wear out and it has to be replaced In fact, I think, uh, I don't watch a lot of TV, so I don't know where I saw it, but I, I saw one recently where he got the new battery and he started to bang the drum really hard and he broke the drum. You know, the, whatever you call the, they're not sticks with the big marshmallow on the end, I don't think, but we'll call them sticks. Boom, 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 boom. It broke the, the drum head, right? And then he, he takes it off and he throws it off to the side and there's a pile of broken drums. 
you know, that's not reflective of the life of the believer that when your battery is new and fresh, you know, you have the energy to, care, to move on and to go forward. But rather, this word um, energy or to energize paints this picture of prayer that is unique to the believer, that is, that is unique to the church. It's not found in a battery, but it's found in the Lord God Almighty and the work of His Holy Spirit who is still on the earth today. And it, and it, and it means this. It means that, that there is a, a working of power when we pray that is not found on earth, but rather comes from heaven. A wonder-working power, as the song says. You know, what makes it wonder-working? Well, it, it, it reveals that, that God is not limited by the restraints of this natural world because He is supernatural. He is above. He is all-powerful. And when we come before Him in prayer, there is an active operation of His power that begins to work in us and around us and through us. And that power is sufficient to get the job done and it's sufficient to bring heaven's change. That's why Jesus replied to the question of His disciples, Lord, teach us how to pray. Pray that Thy kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. So this reconstructs the way that we view prayer. Our prayers, when they are offered up, they don't just drift aimlessly up into the atmosphere and, and, and just, you know, some of them maybe go higher than others and, and some are blown away by the wind. No. Rather, as we lift up our prayers, they don't just drift or float aimlessly, but rather they become an avenue through which God does His amazing work on this earth. So pray, church. Some of you have convinced yourself that your prayers are not effective. James says, if you know Christ as your Savior, if you're bought by the blood of the Lamb, you're made righteous in His eyes, and He hears your prayers. So we all are thinking right now of, of prayers that are waiting to be answered. And you, and, and you say to yourself, you know, how do I experience what James is talking about? And there's a few things that we have to embrace. You know, number one, we need to pray according to His will. First uh, John uh, 5.14 says, Now this is the confidence that we have, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Praying according to His will is fundamental to praying effective prayers. So I think this is a part of maturing in our faith. You know, when I was younger in my, pray, in my faith, I prayed for things that were not a part of God's will, but they were prayers that were uh, designed to ultimately fulfill the desires of my heart. And, and they kind of started out this way many, many, many years ago. Lord, I pray that that girl would like me. You know, and now I look back and I say, Lord, I thank you that girl didn't like me. <laughs> All right? The Lord gave me the girl I needed. You know, so, you know, that's kind of a part of the maturing process of our faith. Is we learn how to pray according to His will. And we trust that sometimes when there are seasons where prayers are not being answered immediately, it's because there is something more we need to see, discern, or understand. And we trust that God is going to shepherd us through that process. We, we have to pray according to His will, but we, we also 
have to deal with anything that separates us from God and His will. I didn't hear very many amens for that one. Discerning God's will is a big thing. Let me just kind of hit a little close to home here for a second. When we, when we harbor sin, pride, or self-reliance, it's doubtful that our prayers will align with God's will. Because, man, that's the lie of the devil right there. I can allow things into my life that corrupt it. I can, I can compartmentalize my life in a way where Maybe in this part, I'm doing really good. And in this part, maybe I'm, I'm falling a little bit short and I'm entertaining things that should not be a part of my life. And I'm not too worried about it because I've learned how to balance it, hide it, and to live with it. And I just got to say this, you know, when we allow our thinking to go in that direction, we ultimately pay a higher price than we realize. Because here's the reality of the Scripture. Sin always separates us from God. God wants to be near to you. And when we choose to go a different way, there's distance that is created. And, and, and if that process goes on for an extended period of time, it does definitely affect your ability to discern God's will. Why? Because you've exalted your will over His. Your desires over His. So a part of effective prayer, I believe, is this. Before we come to the Lord with our petitions, we must first confess our sins and turn from them. Just get everything that's between you and the Lord out of the way. Out of the way. And then, we have to be patient. We pray according to God's will. We deal with anything that separates us from Him. And then we're patient because sometimes uh, prayers take time. But God's time is always perfect. And, and here's the Here's just kind of the simple way that we need to live. You know, have, have you ever discovered in your life that you've made things more complicated than, than, than they really are? Yeah, I think we all do that, don't we? We do that sometimes in those seasons of waiting prayer. When here's the simple response that we must Embrace. I'm going to pray until God moves. I'm going to pray through the lull. I'm going to pray through the silence. And I'm going to pray until the answer comes. Whether it's yes, no, or wait. And then James says to the church, he says, you know, I know that's really hard for our human nature. So, let me give you an example to encourage you. Um, you've heard about this guy named Elijah. <laughs> and and I, I just, it, it would have been really interesting to have been in the room when the letter was being read for the first time. Yeah. You know, consider Elijah. You mean the Elijah that called fire down from heaven? Yeah, that's the guy I want you to think about here as we talk about effective prayer. And I, and I have to believe that their response was, oh man, there ain't no way you know, I'm on the same level as Elijah. Because <laughs> we tend to do that, right? You know, we, we exalt the testimony of somebody else's life. And we don't just do that with biblical characters we, we do that with contemporaries too we hear about someone who go into the mission field and they reached a, 
you know, an unreached uh, uh, tribe somewhere, and they had to hike through the jungle to do it and do all kinds of things. And we read that and we go, oh man, they're at a higher level than I am. And James says, no, 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 no. I don't want you to exalt Elijah because of how God used him and because of what he accomplished. I want you to be reminded that he was an ordinary man with a nature like you. You think Elijah's up here and you're down here? No. You're both in the same place. You're both in the same place. He was a man with a nature like ours. I believe that was timely for them because of what was going on in the world when the letter was first written to the church. And I believe it's timely for us. Because Elijah is a great example. There are some things that we can gain from his life that will inspire ours. The first thing is this. Elijah was a man who lived in ungodly times, but his prayers affected the entire nation. An ordinary man like you and me lived in ungodly times, but his prayers affected an entire nation. Because you see, there was a king in Elijah's day, and the king's name was Ahab. And this is what the Old Testament says about Ahab. 1 Kings 16.33 Thus Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel than all the kings of Israel who were before him. He was the worst of the worst, the baddest of the bad among all the kings before him. And yet, Elijah, an ordinary man, prayed according to the will of God, and the rain stopped. And then, the fire fell and consumed an altar as a demonstration of the Lord God being mightier than Baal. And then he prayed again, and the rain came. The prayers of an ordinary man that affected the entire nation. That is a calling not just for Elijah. That is a calling for all of us. Here's what I believe. We don't always see the effect of our prayers. But we need to continue to pray. Second example from Elijah's life is that Elijah prayed earnestly because he recognized his own inadequacy in the face of powerful enemies. What moved Elijah to pray? He knew he didn't have the power to overcome what was in front of him. He was up against a powerful, godless king and queen. He was up against 400 idolatrous prophets. He was up against an entire nation that had turned its back on the Lord. And he saw the circumstances in front of him and he said, I do not have the power to bring change. And because of that, I am going to earnestly call on the name of the Lord because he does. See, the way that we view things matters. When we view it from the perspective of the earthly, we disengage and we retreat and we hide and we run away. But when we view things through the lens of God being with us, we pray earnestly for the change that needs to come. Now let me, let me bring this right back to where we are currently at right now as a congregation. We're praying for the awakening of our nation. 
our nation and our world desperately need to come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. We are praying for a revival that is marked by repentance. Praying for a revival that is marked by the Lordship of Christ and surrendering to it. And if we pray those kinds of prayers, uh, viewing salvation as only a matter of making a decision, we're not going to pray earnest prayers. Why? Because we can do that. We make decisions all day long. And if the decision to make Christ as Lord and Savior is just one among many decisions that I make throughout the day, there is not enduring transformation that takes place. And if we view as the church you know, that to be the case, salvation merely being a decision, our prayers will be cold and they will be infrequent and they will not be fervent or earnest. But rather, I call us to view salvation as a work that can only be accomplished when we are encountering God. And when people encounter God. Not just changing the way the mind thinks about something, but an encounter that changes the heart. A view of salvation that recognizes that, that God is the only one who can open eyes. God is the only one who convict us of sin. God is the only one who can make us righteous. God is the only one who can raise mankind from a place of death to a place of life. And that is the revival that our nation needs. And we as the church must have that in view as we pray for our country. We're not praying just for people to add Jesus into a a group of decisions that they're making in regards to their life, but rather we are calling them to have an encounter with Jesus that causes Him to be what their life is all about because they have had an encounter with Him. They have seen Him high and lifted up like the prophet Isaiah did. They receive His touch and they know His salvation and they know His power to forgive and to give new life. So we need to pray earnestly. Because church, we must be reminded that we can't accomplish that. Only Jesus can. We mustn't have too high of a view of ourselves. We must be dependent and clinging to our Savior. Elijah shows us that earnest, effective prayer stems from a sense of personal inadequacy, but also from recognizing God's total adequacy. Personally, I'm lacking, but God is not. So I want to not only focus our prayers, but I want to give opportunity. Over the last few weeks, we've had times of, of, of prayer uh, in our services. I know that other prayer groups have been meeting and, and carrying on the same emphasis. And we want to add another opportunity to the, the work of prayer that is already underway. You may have received an email about it later in the week. We're looking to launch as many prayer groups as possible in the days to come. 
groups that are made up of two or three people, maybe meeting in person, maybe calling one another on the phone, maybe connecting through Zoom, but doing so in a way that is regular, doing so in a way that individual needs are prayed for, personal renewal is prayed for, the awakening of our nation is prayed for, and I want to ask all of you to be a part of it. We certainly can find 15 to 20 minutes within our week to connect with another one or two believers to pray for the eternal things that God has called us to pray for. And in this email, we're just asking you, give us the information that we need so that we can help get your group created. And it might be that you're going you're gonna to grab a friend or two and you're going to create your own group. It might be that you need help getting a group created. You might be able to pray in the morning, the afternoon, or the evening. We're just collecting the information right now so we can assemble this strategy and see prayer advancing in our body. And this is what I believe is going to happen. You're going to be encouraged. You're going to be built up. We're going to see God doing some exciting things. I have a high level of expectation for this because God gave it to me when I was praying about three weeks ago. And I think we're going to see spiritual work done, but we're also going to see relationships strengthened and community built to a deeper level. And I believe the Lord is um, calling us to this step for another reason. The Scriptures say one of us can put a thousand to flight, but two of us can send the legions fleeing. There is power in agreement. And we are going to agree on some things that are relevant to this hour. And I'm asking all of you to be a part of it. And let's expect exciting things as we do it together. Amen. Effective and fervent prayer. Why don't you stand with me as we close? I trust that as we've looked at God's Word today, we've all kind of received a takeaway, something that God is just speaking to us, something that He's stirring within us, maybe something that He's calling us back to, or maybe something He's calling us away from. And as you bow your heads and close your eyes, we're going to just have that, that personal moment with the Lord. And I want you to respond to him in your own way. Maybe you kind of feel that separation or that distance today. And the Lord's invitation is just come as you are. Turn to me. Point your life back in my direction. And his promise is he will meet you there. He will lift you up. He will help you. Lord, I just pray right now that as we all do that, Lord, we all just point ourselves in your direction. Lord, would you just minister to us? Would you fill us again, Lord God? Lord, I just pray that as there's that um, response of honest confession, Lord, that we would just sense that, you know, there are things being uh, removed from us and you filling that space with your life and your power and your work. Because you're the one who casts those things into the sea of forgetfulness. 
as far as the east is from the west. And Lord, we thank you for that today. Maybe you're here this morning and you just say, you know, I, I just I need help placing God at the center of my prayers. Just declare Him to be your Lord. here today and you say, you know what, I just, I need help to pray according to His will. Ask Him to reveal and to lead you. He will show you the way. Lord, I pray that these things that you are doing in us, Lord, may they not just take place um, in this room and space and time that we have shared. But I pray, Lord, that your work would carry forward into the week and may it produce a fruit within us that is undeniably you. <laughs> I pray that as we leave here today, Lord, may we be like Elijah, an ordinary man used by an extraordinary God. And may we have that level of faith and expectancy. Lord, I ask that as we go, may you watch over us and keep us. May your grace and your peace be upon us. And may you return us to your house again very soon and safely. In Jesus' name we pray. Go in the grace and the peace of God. As you leave today, encourage one another on the way out. Um, Carlos is out in the foyer um, if you have questions about his trip. And as you go to give, the boxes are to the left of each door. Thank you for being here today. And as you engage your week, if, if you've not uh, seen a friend in church for a while, why don't you reach out to them, give them a call. God bless you. Good to worship with you today. Thank you for joining us on our podcast today. We hope this has been a blessing in your life, and we look forward to having you joining us in person for a service soon. Our service times are Thursday nights at 7 o'clock and two services on Sunday morning at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. God bless you.